I'm Carol Speakerman, and this is Speakerman Speaks Retail, presented by MarketScale. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of Speakerman Speaks Retail, where we navigate retail from now to next by tracking my latest retail trajectories and through interviews with experts who are charting the course. You know, I've noticed a big shift in the conversations that I'm having this month, a shift toward optimism and toward planning for the future and companies getting excited about booking business. And I don't mean Pollyanna idealism and wishful thinking. I'm talking about real optimism, folks talking about things turning around and really wanting to be prepared for it. And of course, we're also heading into the fourth quarter, which is critical make or break for retail. So I'm going to kick off a series on eight mistakes that suppliers can't afford to make. We're going to do a deep dive into the problems that come up over and over again in retail B2B positioning situations. So we're going to be focusing on the evergreen issues that were around long before the corona crisis and that are going to stick around long after until they're solved. We'll take them on one by one with concrete action steps and even some homework that's going to help you lean in and really own these solutions and make them part of your ways of working. Now, this episode, I thought we would dedicate to the number one mistake that I hear from my clients. It's a condition that I call the slow no. We're going to be talking about when your business development process drags on and on and on. Now, the great news is, as intractable and pervasive as the slow no can be, it's also very solvable. So we're going to hit on those solutions when we wrap up. Retailers right now, they definitely are picking up the pace. They're amping up their agility. They're streamlining operations as never before. So surely that means that they're just making faster decisions all the way around, right? Not necessarily. In fact, based on what I'm hearing from my clients, retailers are just as capable as they've ever been of hemming and hawing and generally dragging things out to oblivion. In fact, a lot of this is actually getting worse because of the corona crisis and some other mitigating factors that are new to retail. But don't get me wrong, retailers are making faster decisions in a lot of ways. They're zooming along when it comes to making acquisitions, to launching new innovations, hiring new tech talent, for example. We've talked about all of these dynamics in previous episodes. But suppliers are finding that retailers' newfound sense of urgency isn't necessarily translating or being directed their way. And by the way, when I say suppliers, I'm talking about brand marketers, solution providers, data companies, all of you that work in the retail world, whether you're selling to retailers, to brand marketers, or like a growing number of companies, whether you work with both. But I will say that the slow no is particularly insidious for those of you who sell to retailers. And we're going to talk about why in just a second. But like a lot of supplier frustrations, retailers aren't entirely to blame for this slow no slog. Suppliers can be their own worst enemies when it comes to moving their business development processes along. The funny thing is, the slow no often starts on a deceptively high note. Think about how many times this has happened to you. You're leaving a retailer meeting, you're giving high fives to your teammates, you're talking about how well it went. But from there, the high of a pitch that seemed to hit all the right notes starts to fade. And the only sound you hear is crickets. Your phone calls are going unanswered, actions are stalled, emails are languishing in inboxes, but then it can even get worse. The supplier often clings to any crumbs that are thrown their way because they've already invested so much. Rationalization starts to replace reality. 
Now that's part of the problem because that type of commitment and resource deployment shouldn't even be happening until you have a good idea that something's gonna happen. You want to keep things light and flexible and nimble on the front end, then bring out the big guns when you've got something on the line. Unfortunately, from my experience, too many companies take the exact opposite approach. They're throwing the kitchen sink at every so-called opportunity. That's what's clogging up their sales funnel, and it's also stoking the slow no. Because what's really happening is, these guys are allowing themselves to get rejected slowly. Sometimes over the course of a year or more, I hear it all the time. Man, we were this close, then there was a buyer change, or the strategy shifted, or the new guy came in and wrecked everything, or whatever the excuse is. Now, I'm not saying these aren't good excuses. Some of them are. And this is particularly true as Retailer HQ becomes a revolving door. My clients tell me that they're seeing sometimes two or three personnel changes happen with key decision makers between visits. And it's only gotten worse during the pandemic because travel shut down, those visits are a lot less frequent, and retail layoffs are accelerating. But the result is those internal champions might be one step away from dropping their pom-poms and heading right out the door. And your story can get what I call lost in transition in the meantime. Bottom line, these days if you let things drag out and if you're relying on wishful thinking, you're asking for it. Because as every day passes, the variables conspiring against you only accelerate. Retailers know that they can't just afford to say to shoppers, hey, get back to me when you feel like it. And you can't either when you're working with retailers. Retailers are deploying all kinds of tactics that ensure that they'll own that shopper journey and snag the transaction. They're determined to keep shoppers playing on their platforms. And they're applying processes to make that happen. So just like retailers, you got to put processes in place and walk your prospects through them in order to drive the outcomes that you want and to stay in the mix. But the good news is you have a lot more control over your sales process than you think. In my platform positioning workshops, I coach my clients on a six-point retail methodology that builds a business development acceleration toolbox. But the last step of that process solves for the slow no. By clearly defining how meetings should end and therefore increasing the likelihood of those potential desirable outcomes coming to fruition. Did you notice that I used the plural, by the way? That's because there are all kinds of positive possibilities beyond just closing a sale. When was the last time you walked into a retail meeting and closed a big sale on the spot? Chances are your big deals were a process, not a first meeting home run. You can walk away with a follow-up meeting, a referral to someone who can make things happen. You can get valuable insights, data points. You can get talking points that you can use in future meetings. All kinds of goodies. In fact, the more they don't want to do business with you, the likelier you are to cash in on some of those alternative outcomes. So let's dig into three rules to keep in mind that will help you head off the slow no. Then we're going to talk about specific tactics and yes, some homework that's going to help it all stick. Rule number one, you got to be willing to fail fast. There is such a thing as a fast no, and once you develop a stomach for it, your business might just take off. It's kind of crazy, but it's also understandable that some companies have gotten so used to the slow no that when they have speedier rejections, they actually get really uncomfortable. This aversion to truth finding is deadly because it keeps you mired in that wishful thinking we talked about a second ago. 
Think about it this way. The faster your next rejection surfaces, the quicker you and your teams can move on to your next opportunity and the fewer resources you're going to hemorrhage as you chase a dead end. Things like time and phone calls and samples and brochures and PowerPoints and flights and hotels, etc. Now you can think of rule number two as the silver lining to rule number one, and that is no often means not right now. This is great news that harnesses some of those otherwise scary dynamics that we've been talking about. As retail speeds up, as that revolving door keeps spinning, not so great memories can fade really fast. I can't tell you how many times my clients have been given a second chance to prevent their stuff, sometimes within weeks of their initial unsuccessful attempt. Sometimes the sting of rejection is still really fresh on the supplier side, but then the retailer comes swinging back and says, hey, let's have another meeting. Now, sometimes it means a new decision maker is in place. Either way, they'd already forgotten that the initial meeting even happened. So know that there are ways to keep the door cracked after a rejection and ways that leave you available for a second and even third chance to boomerang back. Rule number three is that next steps is a lazy and ineffective ending to any meeting, call, or email. Many suppliers use that phrase, next steps, as an all-purpose wrap-up slide. Sometimes they just leave those words floating out there on a slide. Sometimes they add a couple of vague bullets that basically encourage the decision maker that you're meeting with to fill in the blanks for you and tell you what happens next. Next step sounds definitive, but it's usually a road to nowhere. The words themselves wouldn't be so bad if they weren't so cliche, and if so many companies hadn't rendered them meaningless by using them as just sort of an open-ended dismount. Because that's the reality for most suppliers. It's an open-ended, no-pressure ending that gets them off the hook and puts all the initiative, and therefore all the control, squarely on your prospect. I work with my clients to develop, declare, and follow a clear and ownable business development process that will drive two critical goals, differentiation and time sensitivity. So how are you different, and why does this need to happen sooner rather than later? Those are the two big questions and the two big goals of every meeting. Now, a lot of suppliers know all the processes that kick in once they get an order, yet in my experience, very few have a clear process for getting there other than next steps, pitch and wait, and you got it, the slow no. So let's talk about the alternative to next steps and the slow no. I boil it down to two words, our process, or you can use our approach. Ending your presentation with some version of our process achieves several great goals that next steps never will. First of all, it immediately messages that you have control over what happens next. It demonstrates that this isn't your first rodeo. After all, you wouldn't have a process if you hadn't executed awesome programs before, right? It gives you the opportunity to turn your preferences into processes and even policies. Because if you're honest, and like most of my clients, most of your biggest programs were probably happy accidents. They just kind of worked out through a series of fortunate events. But when you use our process or our approach, you can document and own those events and then turn them into your process, thereby increasing the chances that things are going to fall into place again. Lather, rinse, repeat. And our process also ideally creates an environment of mutuality and reciprocity. Now put a pin in that because we're going to talk more about this in a minute. 
Our process also creates gates of agreement that allow you to determine their level of interest and their commitment at various stages of your process before you throw more resources at the opportunity. So you make sure that they're holding your hand as you walk through those gates of agreement and that you're both agreeing to move forward. Are you ready for some homework to take all of this full circle? So the first order of business is to start to define your process. Remember, this is the process that kicks in right after you finish your presentation. Know that your competitors are comfortable jumping ahead to the processes that kick in once they get an order, yet very few have a clear process for getting there. I talk to companies all the time and they say, oh yeah, we have a process. This is how we do what we do. That's not the process we're talking about here, but that's why so many companies, you know, for them, the slow no is an everyday reality because the processes they're the most comfortable talking about are their actual work processes, not their business development processes. Start by working from your ideal. Think about case studies that you have for projects that went really well or a dream client that you wish you could clone. Reverse engineer how it all went down and turn it into a set of definable standards, timelines, and mutual accountabilities. Once you do that, your biggest gigs are no longer happy accidents. They're actually the way that you do business. Next, determine a bit of homework that you're going to assign to your prospect. This can be as simple as them providing access to a contact that helps move things forward, or it can be a lot more involved, like providing specifications or having them sign off on a test or an audit. But the goal is to get them to do something, to take some kind of initiative that's going to result in accountability and mutuality. Know that one-sided effort and continuing to just go at your prospect without them giving you anything in return is one of the biggest accelerators of the slow no. Here are a few reminders as you go about your homework. Know that you don't have to run your business the way other folks do, even if they're in your industry or your direct competitors. This isn't about some mystical process that works for everybody. This isn't about the way. It's about finding a way that is your way. Also, know that your processes can change. They can change depending on who you're working with or based on what's working or not working. So by all means, change it up. It doesn't have to be written in stone. It just has to be declared and followed. So to wrap things up, allowing the slow no to creep into your business development process is going to sap away precious energy and resources that you could deploy against much more promising prospects. Allow the breakneck pace of retail to work for you by defining your processes and obliterating those open endings once and for all. I just love cracking the code on positioning problems. And if you do too, then stay tuned for the rest of the series. Now we may not do one after the other. We might break it up with some trajectory tracker episodes and interviews, but either way, we're going to get through all eight mistakes so that you'll be ready to rock going into fourth quarter and on into 2021. Thanks for listening in today. And if you'd like to reach me directly with any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, ping me at carol at speakermanretail.com. Or you can visit speakermanretail.com to check out more insights, to subscribe to my updates, and get the latest on events and other happenings. You can also reach me on Twitter at retailexpert, X-P-E-R-T. Thanks so much and see you next time.